Hi, I'm Carla Wainwright. And I'm Little Leah. And welcome to the Radical Sex Witches podcast, where we explore the themes of sexuality, feminism, consciousness, love, healing, ritual, magic, and all things witchy and wonderful. Hello, all you sirens of summer. The heat waves have brought you to another episode of the Radical Sex Witches. I'm Little Leah, and with me, as always, is the lovely Carla Wainwright. And today we have a very special guest, Lynette LaFontaine. Carla, do you want to introduce them to our lovely listeners? I would love to. So Lynette is an Otapemswak Métis visual artist with roots in northern Saskatchewan as well as the historic Métis communities of the Red River Settlement and Norway House. Their spirit name is Muskwa Mustos Kesigok Isku, roughly translated as Bear Buffalo Northern Lights Woman. As a a child, Lynette grew up on the traditional unceded Dakel territory of Stilaten and now resides on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen. Lynette is a mama bear to two grown cubs, Shem and Willow, aged 22 and 20, and their work is inspired by connections between the land, heart, spirit, ancestors, and elders' teachings. Lynette's current practice focuses on incorporating the Métis-specific beadwork and cultural clothing elements, while incorporating other media such as paint. And in this way, LaFontaine views their practice as contemporizing traditional ways of beading. I know Lynette from Prince George when she used to live here and uh, was in a women's circle with her. And another amazing fact about Lynette is that she and I share the same birthday. Woo! We do. We're birthday sisters. (laughs) That's right. So welcome, Lynette. We are so thrilled to have you here on the Radical Sex Witches podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So we just want to start by asking a little bit about your story. So how did you become the artist and the person that you are today? Oh my gosh, that took a journey of several different personas. (laughs) So my mom, uh, who is not Indigenous, mostly of Irish and French descent, uh, is a full-time artist, professional artist. So I grew up with watching her sew. She's an amazing seamstress. And um, so I gained a lot of sewing skills, which come in handy now as a beadwork artist and mixed media Uh, And she painted and she did everything from the kitchen table. So I um, sat with her, learned with her, did art throughout school. Um, And even like in grade nine, I was doing grade 12 art. And I was known as one of the artists in Fraser Lake. Mm -hmm. But, you know, after I had my uh, son at a young age, I just found like I started to put those things down. And then I had my daughter like a year and a half later and I would do things like scrapbooking or quilt making that felt easier maybe, but even that, you know, it's busy, right? Being a mama bear. Um, And then in 2014, I had a major depression and I really went deep, you know, I really went soul searching and I took an online painting course from Flora Boley and it just started to wake up and I was like, how did I ever put this down? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and then when I was in nursing school in 2007, I, I always wanted to learn how to bead and nobody could teach me. And, you know, due to colonization and different effects, um, there were breaks, breaks in cultural knowledge and practices, even though we lived off the land, hunted, fished, gardened, canned, 
uh, those values of family were there, like these things that I can really identify, but connection to ceremony or language was um, a bit disconnected, you know. So nobody could teach me how to bead, and I taught myself. And beading is a huge part of our, our Métis cultural expression. We're known as the flower beadwork people. And so when I, I always wanted to learn, and when I started, I just felt instantly connected to my ancestors. Like it just... I really connected to it. Um, so I started to make things, jumped right in. But then in 2016, I asked for a formal mentorship with another Métis artist to take it to a professional level. And so I started to move away from my kitchen table, so to speak. Um, I just found that nursing wasn't feeding my fire as much as I liked. It was a huge compromise in my life to go to nursing school. Um so art was just like really waking up and reclaiming those parts of myself. And it's just taking me on this beautiful journey that I'm like still on, still figuring out and doing work for others. Like I see my mom do that too. She does commission work uh, through portraitures and paintings and past life drawings, actually. Um, so I grew up with this real spirituality, actually, through my mom and connection to the land growing up rurally. So it just feels like this completely natural extension of myself. So no formal training. Um, otherwise, I'm just like asking mentors like to teach me as they've also been learning. So I'm doing it more traditionally. That's awesome. I have looked at your Instagram. Your work is stunning. Um, what inspires you. you for your pieces? Gosh, yeah, that's a really good question. The land, mostly. Um, but say, Carla, can I share like about making earrings for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been making fur back earrings for a few years now. Nobody taught me that. It kind of came as an idea, which I believe is like blood memory. Um, and Carla asked for, is your, it's your 50th, right? Yeah. Something really special. And knowing, like knowing you and your <laughs> expression in the world, <clears throat> whether that's through like burlesque or breath of bliss or yoga and being a part of like some of those practices with you, it was a real honor. But then I like, I know you well enough to be like, okay. And I got to bring in that bling. And as um, our mutual friend was like, that's kind of yoni looking. I was like, uh-huh. You see it. There's a little gem, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a little gem up top above the caribou tufting with those multiple rows of different colored, you know, burgundy and pinks. <laughs> It's really beautiful, right? So really, I believe our work has agency, which is like, it's more of an academia term that comes from one of my friends, Shalane Pauls. And the idea that our work has agency is it guides us. So it's really about being really open to the process and being guided. So I might have an idea when I start, but then something will call to me, you know, like, oh, that I remember that gem and I'll have to go dig for it. Or, oh, this color, like that green jumped in at the end, Carla, you know, and it just complimented. It just spoke to me about you and it just felt so good, right? So it comes from a variety of, it could be ancestor pieces, could be the land, it's the person's spirit that I'm doing the work for, my own. Like, there's so many multiple elements in my work. I really... I really, it's a spiritual practice for me, you know, but I'm, I think that's just a natural part of who I am. Like, I don't have to work at it, you know? Well, I have not seen the earrings, but, but, but when you said, I didn't need to know what they were going to look like 
knowing Carla, I knew exactly where this story was going to go. <laughs> you can disappoint me. I was not wrong. <laughs> I love that so much. And I even took in like extra long, like coyote back fur. And you can just imagine like a cat but a, or a dog. And that, that back hair is so long. And so they're like <laughs> multiple colors and really long fur. They're just so special. <laughs> the earrings are spectacular. And I wear them so often, Lynette. And I, they make me feel incredibly close to you. And they're just... They are masterpieces. And I really do feel exactly like you, you channeled me. Um, and I feel, yeah, I just feel so much of our interconnection and wearing these pieces. They're just stunning. She just put them mm-hmm. on for the people. Cause you know, this is a podcast and nobody can see shit at home, but maybe you, maybe when <laughs> we make the post about this, Carla, you're going to have to put these earrings up for sure our viewers to see. Yeah. Um, Lynette, do you have a particular process or ritual that's important to you in your art? Yeah. I mean, there are some teachings that I was taught um, and that I like to practice. So um, entering the space in a good way, which is kind of like, if I'm angry or really sad, I'm not going to go sit with my work. Uh, and this morning already, like I've had my smudge, I have my drum nearby, um, but I could be sitting outside listening to the birds. I really just try to be mindful around that it's a reciprocal practice. So knowing that, like how, how Carla just described, feeling that I, I want people to receive that good energy, you know, um, but it, it might be just like a combination of sketches. I might just be like totally inspired. I need to sit down with my work. Uh, currently, I have no space for painting, which is a, another different process for me. Um, similar but different because I go from like this really focused, intentional work to like I love doing abs- really big abstract paintings. And like I'm so present in those moments. Like it becomes almost like this meditative practice. And yesterday I had beaded all day like probably eight hours, which is a long time for me, but I was like committed to getting this one project done. And I go for a walk with my partner. I'm just like, I haven't en- re-entered my left brain yet. <laughs> you know? just like, where am I? Who am I? 80 hours, and, eight hours in 40 degree heat too. Like that's some commitment. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> and <clears throat> like I nursed during that really intense, you know, 2020 year. And at first I couldn't do anything. I was so exhausted. But then my beating called me back because it's like, it's being able to create something beautiful and then serving others. Like to me, it's like my offering into the world. Um, It's medicine for me. So did that answer your question? Absolutely. It does. Definitely (laughs) does. And it's medicine for those of us who have the gift of, of wearing your adornments, Lynette. I can say that from my own experience. Hi, hi. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. And I also wanted to just touch upon something you said earlier about, you know, having that calling, um, being so connected to art and creativity and then losing it in motherhood. And I, and I can just say from my own experience, my father um, is an artist and I was very involved in the art world uh, for a long time. And then, yeah, kids happened and, um, I found it really difficult. And I can just say that listening to you, I'm inspired to, yeah, feel back into that a little bit because of course they're much older now. And, um, and what inspires me, especially about your story is, you know, none of that went away, right. It was just in a holding pattern or it was just laying dormant in that gestational period for something really Mm -hmm. magical and fantastic to grow. 
I love that. Yes. Cause kids, and it's like the most, one of the most, I, in my opinion, one of the most important jobs and it's like, they're, it's such a blip in our life, but it's like so impactful on theirs, you know? So I like that framing of it and it just requires energy, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. And like I just shared, like you go into the right brain and my kids would have to learn to be like, you know, say my name first or mom, I'm like, you know, what? <laughs> because there might be just yattering away and I'm like, uh, I'm in my creative space, you know? So I think that's hard to do when they're little. And I didn't have a lot of help per se, like, um, I mean, I did, but I didn't, you know, like they were mostly in my care and then working like uh, that was a new experience for me because my mom was uh, worked out of the home. So I worked as a lumber grader for in my 20s, like from the time I was 19 years old, crazy until I went to nursing school. So 40 hours a week of work and then mothering, not a lot of time for other things. No, no, but. So my question, my next question actually relates to being a mother. So as a mother and wisdom holder, how do you suggest sharing with and empowering our children and maybe specifically girls to keep this knowledge alive? And when you say this knowledge, what are you specifically? It might be, that's a good, uh, um, a good clarification. So um, perhaps maybe speaking in your own from your own experience and your own uh, heritage. And then maybe you also have suggestions because I, I know for a lot of our art audiences, they actually feel this remembrance to their own lineage in some way, but may not have had the teachings. Uh, it may not, that information not be available to them, but there's this sense of wanting to be, uh, maintain those threads of connection Um and I think that there might be like not a lot of understanding or, or insight on how to do that. So I, I'll let you answer it however you want. Okay. Okay. So that, that's another life for me. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm a circular storyteller. I'll try to always come back around. But so as you bring me back to that time in my life, I was living a hetero life. Uh, so I was, you know, in relationship with my kids' dad. Um, and even before I had kids and specifically a daughter who was also two spirit, I thought about the ways in which, you know, what kind of person do I want to be for my kids? So really looking at how my mom raised me and looking at my grandmother's story. Um, and because my mom is such a spiritual person and has broke patterns in my life, I'm really grateful for that. So then I was able to start at a farther along place than her. So like, I thought about uh, honoring our moon times, you know, and how would, if I had a daughter, could I incorporate some form of ceremony? And because I didn't, you know, I was sharing that I've had to reconnect to a lot of my Métis um, cultural practices. What I had was women's circles, you know, that was a real gift of moving to Fort St. James and, I, yeah, just started connecting with women there and reading and imagining and dreaming. But it was first started with my own internal work, you know. Um, and there's definitely something really special. I think, you know, I have I have a son and a daughter. Um, so there was things I wanted to pass on to my son in, in being, you know, I had to heal some of my trauma around men. And so I didn't project that 
anger onto my son and then my daughter to empower her by seeing me live my best life. And then some real big changes came when I came, came in, as we say, you know, like I, I finally came out of the closet and my whole world turned upside down. Um, and then I think I really started to see real impacts on my kids. Um, and my daughter was like, cause I had so many abusive relationships in my life. Um, I could see my daughter being submissive and playing the victim. So then I had to look at that stuff in my life and getting my strong voice. So it's just like, it's mostly internal work. But when my daughter did, so communication being really high for both my, my kids, when my daughter had, uh, actually, even before she had her first new time, she was like, I have all the signs. And she was so excited, right? I have all the signs any day now. And she had a little package. <laughs> it was so sweet. She had a little package of like her pad and it was in a nice little uh, pouch in her backpack. And I was like, wow, like I got my moon time at age 10 and I was so mad. And I was like, how many days does it last? And I can't go swimming, you know? Um, so when she had her first like moon time, she called me, she came over and I gifted her a bracelet that my mom had gifted me um, and had a whole bunch of little hearts on it. So like how beautiful that was like a dream come true. I, that felt like a proud moment as a parent that, you know, there wasn't the shame, there was a celebration around it. And again, around um, sexuality, like just being really open, like whether you like boys or girls or non-binary people, like just starting to use different language. And so I knew the first time my kids were either A, going to be sexually active or they were, you know, and bringing my daughter to sweat lodge for the first time. She was 15. I was age 30. Um, so I said, maybe cause really that should have happened when we were babies. Um, so the fact that she was half my age and I said, maybe one day you'll bring your baby into sweat lodge. Mm -hmm. So, and now like, uh, I go fasting and my son is ready to take that journey too. So he gets connected to his spirit name. You know, it's, it's a lot of sharing and communicating and role modeling and it's a lot of inner work. And I'm still like, as I said, the sharing my pronouns, they, them, and first having to examine that in myself and then asking my current partner, they're like, what? Yeah. Like, you know, then sharing it with my mom. Um, because when I came out, I lost friends and family, you know? Um, and my mom said the most beautiful thing I could find, they were like, whatever your best expression in the world is to be happy you know, go for it. And my daughter was like, can I still call you mom? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> They're like, easy, easy. <laughs> and my son was like, yeah, maybe I have a few questions, but yeah, changing pronouns accordingly, you know? So it's a journey. It's layered. I hope I answered your question, Carla. You, you absolutely did. And your story um, about Willow is, is so beautiful. It's interesting because I have wanted that same sort of experience with my daughters, my twins, and and um, have been, you know, so anticipating their first moon. And there was actually a space of um, almost, well, two and a half years between them. And um, they want nothing to do with all of my, like, witchy ceremony stuff, which it has really, I will say, like, been hard because uh, I've really been dreaming about this day since the day they were born. <laughs> Um, yet at the same time, I feel like, you know, 
all I can do is lead by example and show the reverence and and share with them what's what I feel is important for them to perhaps receive if they're willing to and just trust that when the time is right um, and they want to, they'll receive it. Yeah, you're you're reminding me of how some other preparation work happened for me. And you're right, because maybe maybe our kids will reject our way of being. And it, it is hard. It's more of our own internal work, right? Mm-hmm. And our own expectations and hopes and dreams. Um, but, you know, before we knew or had access to ceremony, I had a couple of close friends and, and we created our own. So when our sons turned seven, we did uh, a ceremony and gifted them a little pocket knife. And we talked about, you know, protecting. And, and then my daughter was able to see uh, we would do a special ceremony of, yeah, being by the water. And she was a part of like moon ceremonies. So when I later learned that and started to host them and go to them, I would just invite her as often as I could. And, you know, she came a couple of times. So to be able to experience that and um, what it means like in your moon time around like going within and um, creating that sacred time for yourself right? Yeah. Yeah. So she was so excited to have her ceremony and she was really mad when that didn't happen. Sorry, (laughs) we did it in other ways. (laughs) That's a really interesting fact that you brought up is like, we didn't have specifics. So we made up our own. Do you, would you agree to the fact then that like making up your own shit, you, regardless of your heritage is a great place to start if you don't have answers. I think so. Cause it's all about intention, you know? And even elders have said that, like, even sometimes if like, I don't know, they're like, it's your intention, you know, when you bring someone a gift or you're asking for something. So yeah, yes, make your own, make your own circles, (laughs) make your own ceremonies and traditions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because that's just exactly right. For many of us, like the traditions have been lost, but it is encoded in our DNA. So um, making it up is probably coming from some deep inspiration, some wellspring of inspiration from our ancestors. So yes. Yeah. I love that. So Lynette, we have a question for you. Um, We are curious, what does being a radical sex witch mean to you? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, okay. To be honest, (laughs) <laughs> Carla, how many messages did you get from me? I was like, I'm scared. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not a radical sexist. <laughs> so this is why I put on my peach bomb, my beaded peach bomb for drinks, because I'm like, I'm invoking that. So, and we've talked about it, and I've listened to your past podcasts. I think, you know, radical for me is trying to be as fully authentic as I can be, and that's going to be a lifelong journey, right? It's like how I said, buying clothes on the men's side, wearing my fur palms on plus 40 days, which <laughs> um, you know, it, it's not only in the bedroom of like expressing, you know, uh, however that's expressed and in not always female ways, it could be male ways, but it's like just living life, like being able to use my voice, like being, being working, leaning into that fear of saying things that are hard to say. And honoring, honoring myself. So currently in this stage of my life, it's about self-love, you know, and I think that's pretty radical. (laughs) That is radical as fuck. It is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, it's one of the hardest things. Um, 
and going through it. And I know there's no other way than to go through it, you know, but knowing that there's going to be less suffering on the other side, there's going to be more joy, uh, more acceptance, more self-compassion. That's what I'm working towards. You know, I think that's the radicalness. And with all the pain in the world right now, and as Indigenous people, like in this collective grief and mourning right now, in sharing with you earlier today was like the most, the best thing I can do is offer love. Like that's the highest energy prayer that I can offer. And that means being in love, you know, and it coincides with anger and grief. So, so, and I think I identify maybe with witch on my mom's side. Um, but in, in, I, I just have been reflecting how as indigenous people or in my, my culture specifically, I don't think we had a word for it and we were more matriarchal. So, you know, even the word for a school comes from the word iskotu, which is the word of fire and the GP, which is another word I can't remember right now, um, was a woman's lodge. The woman was in charge of that lodge. You know, she's a fire. She's the center of home right so now i've learned other words so two spirit is a holding place word i identify with tasta which is the in-between people you know so and my spirit name as you can hear it's really about being in between the worlds and then being metis i'm in between the worlds and so my life is living in between <laughs> and it's not always an easy place to be you know but it's a really beautiful place to be you are so fascinating to talk to. I have no doubt that our listeners, they're wanna they're gonna want to find you. So where can they see your creations? How can they get in touch with you? Give oh yeah. Oh, thanks, Leah. Um the Pemswalk artist on both Facebook and Instagram. I have a website in the works, so probably in the fall. People can private message me, look me up, and I tend to respond really quickly. So Awesome. And we'll put all of your links in our show notes too. So we can direct them to the right way. Yeah. And I really want to encourage everyone listening to take a, like, look, look for the link in the show notes and check out Lynette's work. It is, it is, I mean, stunning doesn't even do it justice. Um, Every time I look at her work, there's, I get such a, a deep, like somatic emotional response. It's just so beautiful. And uh, I'm sure that when our listeners look at your work, they're going to feel the same way. That means the world to me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, Lynette. It's been a treat. Same. Same. Thanks for making this fun and pleasurable. I didn't feel (laughs) afraid at all. (laughs) We're all about pleasure here at the Radical Sex. Yeah. If it's going to hurt, you're going to like it though, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's another episode of the Radical Sex Witches. I'm little Leah. And I'm Carla. And we will see you next time. Are you curious about how to liberate your inner witch and experience more pleasure, turn on, and a deeper connection to life? Head over to EmbracingShaktiTemple.com to learn how you can shed old limiting expectations, beliefs, and patterns, and finally let yourself be guided by your inner feminine wisdom and magic.